Hi there, and welcome to another episode of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith. It is episode 19, and it is June 2nd, 2016, so let's get going. All right, so first on the docket today, scientists at the University of Wisconsin-Madison have actually come up with a wearable circuit that's able to adhere to the skin kind of like a temporary tattoo. So basically what they've done, they've taken two um, ultra-tiny intertwining power transmission lines, something similar to like twisted pair telephone cables, and put that um, within two layers of segmented metal blocks. So, And it basically they formed it into an S-curve. So because they put it into an S-curve, it basically eliminates current loss, um, but at the same time it also confines the electronic magnet electromagnetic magnetic waves, easy enough for me to say, um, so that it flows through them. And it also helps shield the um, device from outside interference. So apparently the integrated, integrated circuits can operate at a radio frequency up to 40 gigahertz. So they can be stuck on the skin and monitored remotely, at least that's the hope. And some of the, there were some uh, older approaches that use stretchable transmission lines whose widths were about 640, sorry, 640 micrometers. So apparently this new stretchable integrated circuit is actually just 25 micrometers thick. So that's uh, a pretty uh, big difference in how small this uh, new wearable tech is. So it should be interesting to see if this actually helps out any, especially in like the, uh, health industry um, for doctors to attach various things to a patient's skin and monitor those things uh, wirelessly. All right, so next up, a report from uh, Ericsson, or actually the Ericsson Mobility Report. So the big headline out of this report is that um, IoT devices will overtake mobile phones by the year 2018. Which, when you kind of look at it, you're like, whoa. But um, actually, if you think about it, um, you know, if you think about a household, maybe it's got like four or five mobile phones or whatever in it. But it could have, you know, 10, 15, 20 different IoT devices. So it kind of makes sense that IoT devices will actually um, outpace mobile phones, um, at least when you categorize them as connected devices. Um so some of the other things that actually came out of the report, um, 16 billion connected devices forecast to join the Internet of Things by the end of 2021. Uh, smart Smartphone subscriptions to surpass those for basic phones in Q3 this year. And the teenage use of cellular data for smartphone video grew 127% in just 15 months, which that one makes sense because if you have teenagers or deal with teenagers you know they're usually on their cell phone looking at videos whether it's youtube or whatever it might be so that one's uh that one's probably not a big surprise but anyway interesting report they actually had some other um, interesting data that came out of the report um so have a look all right so next up transportation technology will be the next internet protocol so if you remember back in the day the original goal of the internet protocol was was basically increased productivity through speed and simplicity. So two of the examples they use as to why transportation technology will be the next internet protocol is one is Uber. So basically Uber is really, it's looked at as being simply just a uh, disruptive business model to the um, traditional taxi model. But in reality, it's really about 
like I said earlier, it's like it, it's it's about increased productivity through speed and simplicity. So that's one example. And the other example they used is cargo transportation. So if you live in the U.S., trucks hauling cargo across the roads are all over the place. So basically, they're saying at some point this is going to move to autonomous vehicles. So the shipping companies won't need to worry about um, labor shortages. They won't will, will have to worry so much about accidents, hopefully. Uh, we'll see if that actually pans out. Uh, but anyway, so through the use of autonomous vehicles, um, they'll basically just be this big giant web of transportation. So moving around the country and with the you know, the one, the simple goal, um, as they stated, as the earlier internet protocol, the goal of the internet protocol back in the day was, um, increased productivity through speed and simplicity. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how all this all plays out and see if, uh, that actually comes true. All right. So next up Atari. Yes. The, uh, former game manufacturer Atari. So they're basically trying to reinvent themselves and they're going to do that this time around by jumping into the smart home gadget business. So that'll be interesting to see what they contribute to IoT. Um, like I said, Atari, it's an interesting read uh, to see the various changes they've gone through over their 40 year history. But a couple of the more recent things, which I had no idea they were actually into this, um, is LGBT themed social games and actually online gambling. Um, so I had no idea that they were actually involved in online gaming. But anyway, Atari, you'll probably start seeing um, smart home gadgets, devices from Atari coming up soon. So that should be interesting. I don't know if they're going to be like gadgets that have games on them or what. But uh, anyway, yeah, it should be interesting to see what they come up with. And our next story is pretty interesting. Um, ICSA Labs is actually going to be adding a IoT security certification to their list of various um, security, security certifications they do for devices. So if you're not familiar with ICSA Labs, one of the ones more common ones they do are various security certifications for like firewalls and things like that. So, like I said, they're going to be adding a um, certification for IoT devices. So, basically, you can um, send them the device, and they'll actually run a series of tests on it and see if it's actually certified according to whatever their criteria is. So, it looks like they're going to be covering, um, at least this go-around, they're going to be covering alert logging, authentication, communications, crypto, physical security, and platform security um, as part of their requirements or what they're testing to at least gives an IoT device a chance to uh, be certified uh, by them. Um, I don't know how it's going to work out. Um, hopefully people will use it. The only thing is, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing we've um, talked about in the past podcast that uh, manufacturers are trying to get these devices out to the market so quick. They really don't bother with sending it or they're not going to bother with sending it somewhere that might take two or three weeks to actually test it and then get the results back. And then of course, more than likely there's going to be something wrong with it. So remediation would have to be um, done after the first test and then probably retested. So you're talking about a quiet involved process. I mean, if you're selling firewalls and you want to, you want to go through that process, you don't mind going through that process because you can't um, throw a firewall out on the market and it'd be like super crappy and expect anybody to buy it. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the, manufacturers will take advantage of this or not um, but anyway if you did if you were a manufacturer and took advantage of it it would be great at least from a security standpoint 
um, to basically be able to say, Hey, look at, you know, look at this product. It's, um, you know, miles ahead of everybody else that's on the IOT market as far as security goes. But anyway, um, we'll see how it goes. And then a quick story on something we've talked about before in previous podcasts, uh, low raw WAN network. So basically that's low power wide area network, um, that operates at least this one, that it's going to, at least this one in the article is going to be operating in a 900 megahertz frequency range. So anyway, real quick, the uh, or Samsung and SK Telecom in Korea, they're actually going to be deploying a Internet of Things low-raw ra- low WAN network um, in Korea. So it's going to be one of the first ever Internet of Things dedicated nationwide um, wide area network. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out and see. I don't know, Korea, if you've ever, you ever gone to Korea, um, Technology-wise, they kind of blow the U.S. away in some places um, as far as their adoption of tech. I mean, they're a lot, obviously, they're a lot smaller country than the U.S., so it's easier for them to do that. Uh, but anyway, it's still uh, interesting that they're going to be the, one of the first to, or the first to actually deploy low-raw WAN um, nationwide. So next up, Arduino is actually releasing a new IoT boards called the Primo board. So they're doing something similar to one of the other boards I talked about in a previous podcast. And at the moment, I can't remember which one it was, but basically they're making this new board to where it has various features built in, whereas you used to have to connect add-on boards to the whatever the main board was. Um, but this one, you won't have to do that so much. So it'll actually feature Wi-Fi. Um, this is all built in. It's all, it'll feature Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, low energy, NFC and infrared, so that'll all be built into the board, um, so that you don't have to use add-on boards. So that'll be uh, so that'll be pretty cool when that uh, that becomes available. It looks like it's going to be become or become available late June and early July. July, uh, and they haven't announced prices yet. Um, I can't imagine it'll be that expensive, uh, but either way, um, it's pretty cool looking. It's actually round. I think both of the both of the boards are round, so that's actually kind of cool. They built it round instead of square. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, new Arduino board, the uh, Primo board, and then Google. Um, they're actually going to be bringing Android support to the Raspberry Pi three. So if you've got a Raspberry Pi three, you'll soon be able to put Android on it. So that should be be pretty cool to see how all that um, works out. I've actually, some of the devices we tested uh, a couple years ago, one of those was a sprinkler controller, and it it was actually running um, Android on it. So I've already messed with some devices, not a Raspberry Pi, obviously, but I've messed with some devices, um, IoT devices that are already running Android. And it's actually pretty cool, some of the stuff you can do on it. Um, For whatever reason, um, security-wise, though, the product we looked at a couple years ago um, was it very secure as most IOT devices are. So we'll see how that plays out too. What kind of um, security is available or built in as far as um, putting on a Raspberry Pi. So yeah, pretty cool. Google bringing Android to the Raspberry Pi. And then just a couple of things on the privacy front. So there was a quick blurb on Slashdot and it looks like um, a reporter for the Guardian um, basically, he was positing that virtual assistants such as Amazon's Echo and you know Google and Apple Siri and so forth, that they're basically contravening the um, U.S. Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, COPA. 
Um, as far as it relates to collecting and using the personal information from um, children under the age of 13. So according to this person, um, he thinks it is. Now, whether it really is or not, I don't think, I don't know that there's been any challenges or lawsuits brought about any of these things. Um, but I could see where if children under the age of 13 are using these devices, maybe there is something to this. I don't know. But um, anyway, it's just something to think about um, when you think about virtual assistants and um, how they relate to children under the age of 13, at least in the U.S., um, how they relate to their use um, by children under the age of 13 and, with, and whether they're actually violating any laws by doing that. So, yeah. Anyway, something to think about. All right, so the next story is where it's about a bunch of researchers who were basically seeing if data from the CAN bus on an automobile. So if you're not familiar, CAN bus is a controller area network. Uh, it's basically like your home network or whatever, except in a car, in your car. So they wanted to see if they could pull data from this CAN bus and, and, and identify the individual drivers of a specific car. So the data points they were pulling included like steering wheel position, speed, turn signal use, and brake pedal. Now, the one thing, the one caveat to this, they only did it with 15 people, so it wasn't, obviously it wasn't a very large sample size. Um, but according to the research, they were actually able to, and this was just after collecting 15 minutes of data from 16 different sensors on the car, they were actually able to match the data to the driver 100% of the time. So that's like the first time you read that, they're like, holy cow. Um, and then when they used just the brake pedal data, um, it was only an 87% um, accurate match to the driver. So like I said, yeah, it was only 15 people that they did this on, the test on. So again, it's not a very large sample size. So I don't know what it would be like if they did 1,000 or 10,000 drivers. Um, but either way, it's pretty, um, it's actually kind of scary to me if they could actually identify people from just that little bit of data. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully they'll do it on a larger sample size and see if the uh, percentages still hold true. But anyway, interesting, interesting research nonetheless, though. And then last up, a quick story from the industrial internet things. So there's a link in the show notes to this particular article. And actually the, the article is mainly, it's a 20-minute video so some folks from MPI, and I don't actually see what that stands for. Uh, but anyway, so from MPI and Rockwell Automation. So they basically did a study in regards to the industrial side of things and whether they were actually ready for IoT. So they did a deep dive on this, and that's mainly what the video is about. So it's definitely interesting to have a look at if you're in the industrial side of things. Uh, but one of the things he said in the initial part of the video is that they actually did another study that was earlier on. I think he said that towards the end of 2014, they basically surveyed um, executives from uh, various manufacturers on the industrial side of thing about IoT and whether they were actually thought they were ready for it. And apparently 46% of those executives at that time, at the end of 2014, had no idea what IoT was. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and some of the things, because of that, some of the things they did in this um, latest study um, are actually pretty interesting um, in what they discovered. So anyway, if you're interested in the industrial inner things, definitely a quick 20-minute video to have a look at. So that is the podcast for this week. Um, I'm Craig Smith. You can reach me at CraigZ28 at CraigSmith.net or at CraigZ28 on the Twitters. But anyway, if you've got any comments or feedback or 
think something needs to be added to the show, just let me know. Uh, but either way, that's it for the this week. So enjoy yourself and have a great day.